a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. It's game day, USC football fans. Get up to speed on the Trojans and their opponents with the USCfootball.com Paris style pregame show. Host Ryan Abraham, Shotgun Spratling, and Keely Yur break down the game from all angles with the in-depth analysis, interviews from the practice field, and expert insights from media members covering the opposition. Let's jump right in and kick things off with uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle pregame show at uscfootball.com. We cover the Trojans 24 hours a day, 365 days a year with reports, analysis, interviews, podcasts, photos, videos, and lots more. Make sure you check out the site for wall-to-wall USC coverage. The Peristyle pregame show is proudly sponsored by Trader Joe's. Stop by your neighborhood Trader Joe's for all your tailgating needs, like canned wine, elote spiced corn chips, and yes, even hummus. We aren't afraid of interesting food at a tailgate party. All right, let's bring in Keeley and Shotgun and give out our awards for the Notre Dame game. Let's start off on offense, the MVP. I might say we did slightly predict this on last week's show. Marquis Step with the homecoming, the Indiana native, had 10 carries, 82 yards, and a touchdown, a career night for him. Look to see him get more carries against Arizona since Vavai Malapai is out for this game. We'll see more from him going forward. Yeah, you got to love the Simba, him just being carried across the, the, the goal line for the touchdown there from Elijah Vera Tucker, a bush push redux. But let's go to the defensive side. There wasn't really a star performance on the defensive side, so we're going to give it to Talano Hufunga coming back from injury. He had six tackles, once again, all over the field. He had a pass breakup as well. Had a couple of really big tackles to keep Notre Dame from some extended, you know, some big-time plays that didn't really get to get out into the open field. Uh, so we're going to give it to him for this week. But defense, they need somebody to step up this week. Linemen, we wanted to go on the defensive side of the ball again. You had Drake Jackson, the true freshman, two and a half tackles for loss. Yeah, USC had a hard time containing that Notre Dame run. But you you want to see a, see a solid player on that defensive front week in and week out. Drake Jackson, the true freshman, continues to play above the levels I think even the coaches expected. Now on to special teams. Got to give it to Chase McGrath. Two for two on his field goal attempts. Still perfect all the season. But, you know, we have to give honorable mention to Brian Kelly for his help defending USC's onside kick. On the field, packed all refs, you know, didn't see him. Don't know how, but had to give it to him as well. Whoopsie. Just forgot that he was out there. Didn't see that there, the uh, referees. But let's move over to lighting the torch. This is our top play of the night. How about Amon Ross St. Brown's 100-handed TD catch bringing in the ball on a ball that's a little bit out in front of him. All set up from some earlier runs. Saw some play action, and then Alohi Gilman, the safety, they froze him for a second. Amon Ross St. Brown gets behind. Slovis hits him. Gives USC some life there in the second half of that touchdown. You got to love the wink he gave the camera, too. Oh, yeah. Always flashy. (laughs) But for the opposite pendulum swing, the head scratcher of the week. You know, USC coming into this game, the defense was stout as far as the interior run defense. But that seemed to break down against Notre Dame. That might be because Marlon Tupelotu, the most consistent interior defensive lineman they have, was double teamed all game. Is that something that teams start to do now that they see the success that Notre Dame had? We'll see. But that's that USC 
he needs to get back on track. Yeah, they were getting gashed up front, which we hadn't seen all year. Utah had a really hard time trying to run the football up the middle, but Notre Dame had a lot of success. Fixer upper, where USC has to get better. Man, just it wasn't one big play, but on special teams, there were so many miscues. Three, four good punts from Ben Griffith. Three of them were failed to be down inside the 10. They all went in the end zone where USC wasn't able to contain those. That's bad. They almost had a field goal block. They had a player coming, running in late. That would have ruined Chase McGrath's perfect season. He hasn't missed a field goal yet. They almost gave up a kickoff return for a touchdown. The Notre Dame returner just dropped the football. It wasn't anything USC did. It's This is really a lot of little problems. You have to clean it up if you're USC and you want to keep winning games down the stretch. Without a doubt. Now, looking forward to USC's matchup against Arizona on Saturday. The matchups to watch. First up, Khalil Tate, the dynamic dual-threat quarterback, watching his legs versus USC's run defense. This is a battered, banged-up defense. Can they stop Khalil Tate when they're missing key players on that defensive side? Yeah, he's a dynamic athlete, obviously. USC gave up a lot of rushing yards to Ian Book. Khalil Tate, a little bit better runner than Ian Book. Uh, One of the matchups you got to watch, the best cover corner for Arizona, Jace Whitaker. He's a senior Watch him. He's probably going to line up in the slot. He's probably going to be a nickel guy up against Amon Ross St. Brown because we might see Arizona drop eight guys back into coverage a lot. That means he'll be matched up with Amon Ross St. Brown, who you guys know had an absolute huge game against Notre Dame. Will he have a big game against Arizona with their best cover corner most likely lining up against St. Brown all game? Or will it be another receiver? Because USC has three really, really good ones, and it can just rotate each game. It'll depend on Keaton Slovis, the true freshman quarterback. How is he going to do against that drop-A coverage? He struggled against BYU. This time out, though, against Notre Dame, his first time playing in almost a month, and he was much better. You saw him. He was composed in the pocket. He stepped up when he needed to. He he read his keys a lot better than he did against BYU, and he was able to move the ball at will in the second half. USC's offense looked really good. Even when Notre Dame dropped a bunch of guys in coverage, look for it again this week. How does he react against that defense? That could determine this game. Yeah, one of those wide receivers of the big three, Tyler Vons, our Chris Trevino talked with him this week at USC practice. You guys know Tyler Vons is my guy. Shut out in the first half. Had got looked like it was held a couple of times in that Notre Dame game, but as was up, everyone in that Notre Dame game. Yeah, then uh, you know had that great touchdown. So we're going to hear from Tyler Vons now about what they need to do on offense against this Arizona squad. Tyler, it's obviously homecoming week. Uh, what does it mean for you guys, just psychologically? You know, after two tough road games, I know you had the bye week, but what does it feel like to come home and prepare for a home game in the Coliseum? Um, it's another game. At the end of the day, we just got to come in. Just be ready and um, execute our little plays that we have. Helton said on Monday that he thought that you guys had the best practice that you've had all season, you know, coming off that loss. As a team leader, do you agree with that assessment that it was one of your best practices of the year? Uh, I do agree with that. Um, We came out with more focus than I've seen in a a while. Um, Just focused on details. It wasn't too much people talking. It was just more so let's get this work done and um, really go out there and win this weekend. Elton also mentioned tell the truth Mondays. You know, he said the coaches were brutally honest with you guys. Um, what were some of those brutally honest truths that you guys as an offense heard that you guys need to clean up for this weekend? Um, just facing the fact that we got to make our plays. Um, making our plays, just staying in execution um, and starting fast. I feel like we didn't start fast, so that was really the most tell the truth about the Monday we had. Um, we didn't start as fast as we should have. I, I, we came out in the second half, so that kind of just really shot ourselves in the foot. Um, Arizona's obviously coming to town. What has your, been your assessment of them, of their defense, after watching a little bit of their film? 
I mean, we always watch film on the defense, but we can always expect anything differently coming into our ballpark. Um, teams like to do a lot of cup raid against us. Uh, so I figured that they'll do that coming in and doing that, um, but we're prepared for anything. Yeah, through these first you know half of the season, how do you feel like teams have changed in the way they've covered you? And obviously they've been trying to take you out and Michael Pittman out of the, the equation uh, for the passing attack. How have you seen the defenses change covering you? I've just seen them change just, just how, how they guard us. Um, they drop it more, which is forcing us to run the ball. I mean, we got three great backs back there. Um, they, um, hopefully we can get each of them on the ball at any point in time. I mean, just put it in any of their hands or any of our guards' hands is going to be something. So just waiting for that. I mean, just knowing our run game has got to be on, on point. Is there any way just as a passing attack to kind of combat when they're dropping like that on you guys? I mean, yeah, it, it is. We just got to work our plays. I mean, we got to work our plays and be timing about it. Um, we gotta, we got to do the right thing so we can set up for plays and anything like that. So it just come back to our running game. Arizona's passing defense has kind of struggled this season. They're ranked number 128 in the country. Um, you know, you see that number, and as you as wide receivers, you guys look around and, like, if we come out and ex- execute, we can have, like, a big, big game here in the Coliseum. Uh, we feel like we have a big game each week um, going into any game against any, any defense. Um, it's just a matter of us executing and doing our plays, like I said. So it just comes back to us. It falls back on us and how we work and how we do our things. And finally, did you feel like you guys were going with more tempo there in the second half against Notre Dame? Um, yeah, I felt like we was going more tempo. We was getting to play quick, getting to play quicker, and, and getting on the field and lining up for faster. So um, it helped us in the long run. Well, not in the long run, in the short run. For that, we did have the ball. I felt like in the second half they couldn't stop us. Is that the fastest you felt like you've gone this season, or is there another time you feel? Um, we, we've been, we've we've been faster before. It's just that we got to we got to just do it. We got to start off like it. So it's a matter of us going out there and starting off fast. Great stuff from Tyler Vaughn's my guy, Tyler Vaughn's. Yeah, I want to see if they do a lot more tempo, guys. They talked about that this week. Are they gonna are we gonna see a 85-90 play game in this one with the, the past defense for Arizona struggling a bit this year? It'll be curious to see what they do. See, I don't know that I would go that route because you got a lot of injuries on the defensive side that are gonna be a concern. You know, maybe you slow it down to kind of protect your defense to an extent and not put young players having to play an extra 15 or 20 plays on that defensive side. We'll see what they do there, but I think I would be hesitant. Now, they've already said that that's the plan. They want to go tempo. They want to go fast. That's what they did against Notre Dame and had great success with it in the second half. There's no doubt in that. However, after coming out of that Notre Dame game with some injuries, now there's a big question mark in my mind whether or not I would go with that. We'll see, though. Now, we mentioned the injuries multiple times on this show, but we had to get the full rundown just because it's so much. Right now, we know that Pala Ie, Na Ote Ote, and Greg Johnson are ruled out for Saturday's game. Isaac Taylor Stewart is a game-time decision, and then Elijah Griffin is doubtful. But Elijah Griffin is suffering from a bulging disc in his back, so that seems like more it's leaning towards out for him. But we will see Kanai Malga replace Ie at that uh, will position, and then we'll see Max Williams in for Greg Johnson at that nickel position. But this is, like I said, a tough game for USC's defense just because they're so injured on that on that side and I think it's going to play a big part because we talked about Khalil Tate's legs you know those interior defensive players the guys at that wheel and the the nickelback spot which would be if you play a soft zone or something those guys might be the guys that are keeping their attention on Khalil Tate those guys are going to be out you're going to have new guys in there how do the freshmen play they have to step in there will Raylan Goforth be in that linebacker mix as a freshman you know how are some inexperienced guys going to step up you know that's what USC needs now they had some guys step up last week can they do it again this week it's not just Khalil Tate also. This is the second best rush team in the conference. They've led, Arizona's led the league in rushing the last three years. they got a great group of backs, starting with J.J. Taylor. 
They can run the football. And what we saw happen last weekend, USC got run all over by Notre Dame. So I think that's going to be a big matchup in this one. Can USC slow down the Arizona run game? Because if you want to get that tempo stuff going, or if you want to play slow or whatever you want to do, you want to be able to get the ball back. If Arizona can keep running the ball, that's going to be a big problem for USC all evening. All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back with our player perspective segment where Keely Yor breaks things down with former USC All-American safety Taylor Mays. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back to the USCFootball.com Parastyle pregame show. In this segment, we will look at the game from a player's perspective with host Keelier and former USC All American safety Taylor Mays. Alrighty, Taylor, we're back with another segment of Players Perspective. Thanks again for coming on. Kitty, what's going on? Before we jump into it, I just want to give a special thanks to Platinum Storage and the store local companies for sponsoring our show. Platinum Storage has locations all around Southern California, and you can find them online at PlatinumStorage.com. So this week, USC is going to try and bounce back in the Coliseum this Saturday against Arizona for its homecoming game. We don't exactly know who's going to be in USC's starting lineup because they're plagued with injuries, especially on the defense. USC's DB coach Greg Burns framed this kind of in a positive light. He described it as an opportunity for the Trojans' freshmen. How critical is it for their backups to step up in this game? I think one of the most underrated things that we see in football is a team that has quality backups. A lot of times at the beginning of the season, teams feel good about their depth charts. Teams feel good about the players that they're putting out there on the field. But you see every single year, every team has injuries. And one of the most important things to happen is that you have quality backups. You have to have players who can come in and maintain the same high level of either the defense and or the offense. And I think we're seeing it right now with some of our guys. When I went to the school a couple months ago and was talking to some of the young guys, I was telling them, hey, You guys have to take this opportunity very seriously. I don't care if you're a freshman or you're a redshirt sophomore. You never know when your number is going to get called. You have to prepare like you're going in and you're one play away from going in the game. And I think it shows in a positive way for us, and I think it shows in a negative way for us by looking at our freshmen and seeing who's playing well as a true freshman and who isn't playing to the best of their ability yet as a true freshman. So your young guys have to be able to come in and maintain the same level of play that starters were. So far this season, we've seen USC's defense struggle against a mobile quarterback. When it comes to Khalil Tate, though, he's like the dual threat quarterback. How does USC defend him? Like you said, Khalil Tate is the dual threat quarterback. This guy can run, he can throw the ball, he's basically gotten the ball to, I think, 10 different receivers on the Arizona Wildcats roster, and he creates second opportunities. And that's things that running quarterbacks do is they create time in the pocket by moving around and getting the ball downfield. And it just creates more problems for us because there's more things that we have to do as a defense to be fundamentally sound against him. Staying on your man if you're in man coverage or staying on your man if you're in zone coverage. We saw it last week, some of our guys coming off of the person they were guarding And Ian Book slanged the ball in right over their head as they were going to go hit the quarterback. So it's being disciplined on things like that and having better awareness about where the quarterback is on the field. One of the things that I look to see about trying to defend against Khalil Tate is, do we spy him? Do we kind of half pressure rush him and try to keep him in the pocket? If you do that, you're not really getting pressure or penetration on him and you're just giving him more time to throw the ball downfield. The problem with that is is we have potential injuries in the secondary and or EA at linebacker. You have young guys that are having to cover 
downfield and covering downfield is already hard enough for us to do. So there's going to come times in this game where our guys are going to have to make one-on-one tackles on him in the open field. It's going to be hard to do. I hope it's not or any of our defensive linemen. I hope we're able to spy him with a linebacker. I know I called out John Houston uh, last week after the Notre Dame game. I think this is a chance for him to step up and show his athleticism and his speed as a linebacker going against a dual threat quarterback and potentially having to tackle him in the open field. Yeah, the pressure is definitely going to be on USC's defense with Khalil Tate. But I think this week, without a doubt, the Trojans offense has to step up in order to take the pressure off of USC's wounded defense. And this is a good opportunity for USC this week, just because Arizona statistically is not doing so hot. Yeah, they're struggling a little bit. But I think this is a great chance for our offense to really come out there and put a lot of points on the board. We've seen a lot of different defenses this season, and we've seen defenses who just rush three and drop eight, put a lot of guys into coverage. With what our running game showed last week if we can get a consistent running game on Saturday with the way that Arizona's defense struggles we should and be putting up a lot of points one thing we cannot do is play down to the level of our opponent Keenan should be out there slanging the ball downfield 400 plus yards of passing offense and I think this is just a chance for our offense to put up a lot of points on a defense that has really struggled throughout this season. Now, the Notre Dame game seemed like a good stepping stone for Keaton Slovis. He said he was proud of the fact that he didn't force any throws and was better in his route progressions. But how can he progress more this Saturday? Well, I have to say this. I was really proud of Keaton Slovis. He hadn't played in about a month. And obviously, he's coming off a concussion. But what I did see from him was he put his shoulder down to try to run through a safety on the goal line. And obviously, we can't have him getting hurt. But I just think it shows the character and how bad he wants it as a quarterback. For him to try to run, I mean, I was like, I was just praying that he was going to get up. But at the same time, it just showed that this kid wants to win. He takes this seriously, and there's a lot of fight in him. I think he showed a lot of poise, especially in the end of the game when it's loud. He seemed to command the huddle. There's a couple things that happened last week that I think he needs to change. Blitz recognition is going to be a big one for him. There's some things, some pre-snap reads that are dead giveaways about what the defense is doing and where the blitz is coming from. And I think those are just things that he is going to get better at the more experience that he gets as a quarterback. But blitz recognition, pre-snap reads, and being able to look at the backside corner to the safeties, the nickel and the linebackers and see where the pressure is coming from and being able to read and react and call the right conversion plays towards the blitz, hot routes that are thrown to the side of the blitz and getting the ball out quick. Sometimes he holds onto the ball, he gets sacked. It's hard, he's a freshman quarterback, but that's really the next step for him in becoming a great quarterback. Marquis Seb was another guy who made a big leap in his play. Yeah, I like him. He had a career night against Notre Dame. Both him and Stephen Carr will have more opportunities going forward now that Vi Malapai will be out for a while due to his knee injury. What are you expecting from the Trojans' run game going forward? Well, I hate that Vi got hurt, and you never want to see players get hurt, especially uh, on the depth chart, our number one running back. But I think it just shows the type of talent and depth that we have, that we have Carr and Step still in the backfield. I think that it'll be good for us to get a true one-two punch. I think it'll be better for our guys to kind of get a better feel of the game rather than coming in for a couple plays and then maybe not playing for a quarter. I think having two running backs and get, being able to get a true one-two punch really will help these guys kind of get into the flow of the game rather than you know playing a couple plays in one quarter and then going back to the sideline and getting cold. I think that's hard for running backs, and I think that I think it's easier when they get into a rhythm or a flow and you know they're really feeling what the speed of the line of scrimmage is like, what the cutback lanes feel like, especially we see it with uh, Marquis Stepp. He cuts back very well. He gets that big body downfield. But I think it's a little bit harder if 
you don't know or expect when you're going in the game and you're trying to stay warm on the sideline. But hopefully we can get a true one-two punch out of those guys. Now, you were a special teams guy in both college and the NFL, so yeah. you know how important it is for that unit to perform at a high level. Yeah. Some people write that portion of the game off, but those details matter. And I think we definitely saw that against Notre Dame. It's kind of the same principle that we were talking about with having quality backups. A lot of times we don't look at special teams or we change the channel when a punt happens or something like that. But it's the exact same principle as offense or defense. And in college, in the NFL, a lot of the best players all played special teams, especially kick and or punt. Those are what we like to call tone setters for teams. You run down there, you smack somebody, people get excited. It's a chance to, especially for young guys, to make a play for the team. It gets guys pumped up. You get to go back to the sideline and have everybody gas you up and, and you know pat you on the back. And that's a crucial part of a football team. I think it's being overlooked right now. And I was really disappointed in what we saw last week by our punt team. Ben Griffith had four great punts inside the five-yard line. And we failed to down them. If you look at it, those are four missed opportunities that are huge. If you look at over the course of the game and you look at total yards, we're talking about 80 yards worth that the offense, Notre Dame offense would have had to go. I saw those opportunities. I think, okay, one time, two times. But when it happened repeatedly, that disappointed me. And I think that really just showed a discipline thing, discipline for our team. If we're not taking special teams seriously, then it makes me question whether or not we're taking the other units being offense and defense seriously as well. Little things add up. And you have to do little things right. And I think that special teams is a great chance for young guys to go out there, make plays for the team. And it just seems like there was a lot of missed opportunities on the field. They might not have been touchdowns or sacks, but little things add up for football teams. And our guys, especially our young guys, need to take advantage of these opportunities. Alrighty, it's that time of the segment. Now, Taylor, your undefeated record is tarnished. <laughs> uh, okay. You were close. You were in the right direction. How about that? You know, I feel good about my prediction last week because we did have a chance to win the game, and I thought that we would play them tough. But I will take that loss, but I'll take that loss with an asterisk, being that it was a good attempt. <laughs> Does that count? Do it good, counts to me. So. Good attempts don't count in football, yeah. so no, I don't no, think it should don't. count they for don't, you. But we're not, we're not playing football. We're analyzing football, so I want to say this, it was a good attempt. Sure. So how do you think Saturday's matchup is going to go? Well, sometimes defense has to step up. Sometimes offense has to step up. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I hope our offense is able to score four, five, six touchdowns. I think, I guess in a sense that it will come down to the defense is how many stops can we get against Khalil Tate? Are we able to stop him? Are we able to tackle him? Are we able to keep him in the pocket and get off the field on third down? We saw how Ian Book took off on third down against us and got a couple first downs. He created some second-chance plays and had some success. Well, Khalil Tate, obviously, a lot more athletic. Are we going to give him a chance to create these second-chance plays? How many points are they going to score against us? I think on offense that we will score 49 points. Okay. I'm going to give you a number. I've never wow, given you a number before. Yeah, Progress. No, I'm going to give you a number before. For some reason in my head, I think 49. And if any old head USC fans know, Dennis Smith wore number 49. He was a big safety. He would get downhill. Kitty, you're too young for that, but <laughs> maybe you can look it up. Um, great USC safety. I'm going to go with 49 points for Dennis Smith. And I'm going to say that Arizona has mm, 21. I think we struggle early, then we figure them out, and we shut Khalil Tate down. 49, ooh, 49 21, that's a big spread. Let's go 35 21, us. Oh, so I know. Sorry, Dennis Smith. I got I to gotta change that one. I don't know if we'll put up that many points. I'm going to say 35 21. Let's go with that. Okay. I will win the game. See, my thing is we'll put up points. Our defense will play well enough to win. 
It's going to be challenging for us, but we'll play well enough to win. So you don't think USC's offense is capable of scoring more than 35 against Arizona's defense? First of all, I didn't say that. I just said that. I you think had 49. I did have 49 to 21. That is a pretty big spread. I'm going to go. Let's let's meet halfway. Let's go with Ronnie Lott at 42. We went from Dennis Smith to Ronnie Lott at 42. Let's go 42 to 21. 21 is half of 42. We're twice the team Arizona is. It works. Wow. What an equation, though. <laughs> we'll end on some math there. there Taylor, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Alrighty, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to go behind enemy lines and get the full scoop on the Arizona Wildcats. Welcome back to the USCfootball.com Parastyle pregame show. In this segment, host Ryan Abraham will go behind enemy lines and get insight on the game from USC's opponent's point of view. Before we get to our guests, I'd like to thank Trader Joe's for their sponsorship of the USCfootball.com Peristyle pregame show. The next time you visit the USC campus, check out the Trader Joe's at the USC Village where you'll find food and drink from the everyday to the oddly interesting, all the amazing prices. You can't miss the store. It's in the red brick building. All right, let's jump into our behind enemy lines with Jason Shear. He does a great job. He's the publisher and senior editor at wildcatauthority.com. Here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Follow him at, on Twitter at Jason Shear, S-C-H-E-E-R. Thanks for coming on, Jason. Thanks for having me. Of course, uh, big game coming up this weekend. Uh, Arizona 4-2. and two. I don't know if a lot of people felt that the Wildcats would be in that position. Uh, the offense is clicking. I think 510, almost 510 yards of total offense. Overall, how would you feel like this, this Wildcat offense is? It's, it's top 10 in the country right now as far as at least total offensive numbers. Yeah, I think it's kind of it's there's some good and some bad. I I think the biggest thing is Arizona's schedule to start the season. It's one of the reasons why they're four and two. Uh, It hasn't been good. So a lot of that yardage came against like NAU and uh, Colorado, UCLA, not the best defensive teams. And uh, Arizona faced Washington this past weekend, which was clearly the best defensive team they face. And uh, the offense struggled quite a bit. Um, so there's good and bad. I do think it's a good offense. I do think that the run game is solid. There's some depth, uh, in the backfield. The offensive line has been pretty decent, uh, but it's kind of a a situation where I think maybe the statistics don't necessarily back up how good the offense is. It's a good offense, but I don't know if it's necessarily an elite offense right now. Yeah. I think, uh, some recent home games now, Arizona is going to be on the road. Khalil Tate, this will be his fourth time. Playing against USC, maybe not a ton of success uh, so far in the games against the Trojans, but is there some sort of quarterback controversy brewing there in uh, Tucson? Uh, I think there's a little bit, and I'm not sure the coaches would necessarily admit it, but I think the the situation they have now is Khalil Tate was really bad against Washington, not just average or, you know, I mean, he, he... there's people that strongly believe he cost them the game. There's one play where he threw the ball behind him because he didn't want to get hit. It was a fumble. Washington picked it up right in the end zone. Um, he just didn't play well. He hasn't played well all season except for against Colorado, whose defense, as we know, is just awful. And so there's a lot of people that want to see what true freshman Grant Gunnell could do. Uh, he threw for about 400 yards against UCLA and and played well in his first career start. And uh, I think people are kind of looking towards the future and, uh, it's an interesting situation because with Noel Mazzoni's offense, uh, Khalil Tate doesn't fit it at all. He, he's not the prototypical Noel Mazzoni quarterback, while Grant Cannell uh, is 6'6", 220, just a big dude that can really throw the ball. 
Um, so I think that there's some questions uh, about who should start moving forward. Uh, maybe there's a, a rift within the team even. So I think at least in Tucson, uh, there is a quarterback controversy, so to speak. But I'm not sure it's reached that point with Kevin Sumlin yet. I, I think that uh, we'll, we'll kind of have to wait and see for this weekend. You mentioned the offensive line. There was some movement in the offseason, uh, a few guys leaving. Not I mean, Maybe not a ton of depth there, but you feel like it, this group has been playing pretty well so far? Yeah, they've been a little inconsistent with the run blocking. I think overall they, they struggled against Washington, but to Washington's credit, they threw things at Arizona that Arizona hadn't seen before. But uh, the offensive line, I mean, Arizona's second in the conference in rushing. Uh, the offensive line has generally played pretty well. Um, Donovan Lay at, at left tackle is really good. He's a player that they like quite a bit. Cody Creason might be the second best lineman, and that's something to keep an eye on because he got rolled up against Washington, and we haven't heard his status yet. We won't know about about him until game time, but if he doesn't play, uh, it, it's a legit issue because I think he's a, a really good lineman. Um, but other than that, I, I mean, they, they have some depth. They probably have seven guys that they can rotate in and out, and it, it's not, you know, an outstanding unit, but it, it's solid, and uh, it's probably towards the upper half of the conference. You mentioned the uh, rushing attack, second in the conference right now, but led the conference the last three seasons. J.J. Taylor is a stud, but it seems like a pretty deep group of tailbacks for the Wildcats. Yeah, that's, you know, J.J. Taylor missed a couple games, but uh, that's probably the one position where they could afford a loss. Gary Brightwell's a more of a power back. Um, he, he's a stud. There's some people that believe that uh, he's the best running back on the roster. He really, once he puts his foot in the ground, can, can really get upfield, and he's one of the faster guys on the team. Um, he actually didn't play last game. Uh, they have Bam Smith, who, who's another guy, uh, more of a pass-catching running back, but a guy that they like uh, quite a bit. Uh, they have uh, Nathan Tilford, who USC fans probably remember, who's uh, kind of come into his own as of late, scored a touchdown last game. Michael Wiley, a true freshman, who's another pass-catcher. So they have quite a bit of depth at running back, and they'll use them all. Uh, you'll see all those guys, as long as they're healthy on Saturday against USC, uh, in some way, shape, or form. A lot of times they go to two back sets and, and put one of them out and use them as a wide receiver. So they use those guys quite a bit. Speaking of wide receivers, good segue, Jason. Um, who was We didn't know who was going to kind of emerge as the, the wide-out playmakers for this squad. Who's looked good to you so far at that in that position? Uh, you know, there's no dominant wide receiver uh, at all. It's kind of a deal where they spread the ball out quite a bit. There's not that one guy where USC will line up and say, okay, we need to shut him down. Um, they're very spread out. They have Jamari Joyner, who was a quarterback last year, who moved to wide receiver. He's made some mistakes, but he's done very well at the position. Uh, Brian Castile is a guy that's done well. Tavian Cunningham is a Juco guy. They don't have a lot of size at the wide re receiver spot, but they have quite a bit of speed. Um, and they've really developed some good blockers because they use a lot of those Noel Mazzoni quick screens and things like that. So, um, it, you know, they kind of – there's not that one dominant guy that you go out and go, man, he's, he's really good. But they do a nice job of spreading the ball out, and they'll use six or seven wide receivers effectively. Interesting. Let's switch over to the uh, defensive side of the ball. Marcel Yates been around, I think it's his fourth season there. The beginning of the season didn't look great. And it feel, felt to me, though, like the defense took a, turned a corner against Texas Tech. I think you were even tweeting early in the season, like, wow, this might be even a worse defense than last year. They played really good. They were aggressive against Texas Tech. It seemed to get better. Some things sort of fell apart a little bit. I don't know if it's all on the defense against Washington in the last game, but is this a defense that kind of started off poorly and has got a lot better as the year's gone on, or, or am I wrong on that? 
Yeah, I mean, the, the Hawaii game was as bad, as bad as Arizona's defense could have played. Hawaii was doing whatever uh, they wanted. And NAU was the second game. They played great in the first half, kind of saw what they had with youth in the second half and, and wound up letting up 41 points to NAU, which was bad. But Texas Tech, that defense played really well. UCLA, the defense played well. And the Washington game, to me, is kind of interesting. I mean, Washington's starting field position in that game was the 44-yard line because of all the offensive mistakes. And when you do that, I mean, there's only so much you can do as a defense. Um, yeah, they didn't play well in the second half, but in the first half, they were great. Um, so the defense has definitely improved from the first game. I, I don't think the defense is good at this point. There's there's some talent on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, the pass rush is lacking a little bit, but it's clearly better than it was in the Hawaii game. And, and it, at the very least, there's you know for the first time in years, really, uh, we're seeing improvement on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, it just seemed to be getting better. Uh, one of those studs back there, Colin Schooler, the linebacker. Uh, a lot of you know, if you're a Pac-12 football fan, you know his name. Who are some? How's he? I guess how he's how has he done so far? And who are the, some of the other standouts on the defensive side of the ball? Uh, Collins done great. His numbers are are a little bit down because Arizona's changed some formations that they use. So, um, and they might use it this weekend. They've done some stuff with three linebackers where they'll put in him, Tony Fields, and and Anthony Pandy, um, and they'll be aggressive with those three guys. And so Collins' numbers are down, but um, I would say that he's just as good as he's ever been. Uh, really, those three linebackers are the key to the defense. If they don't play well, uh, it's hard to see Arizona winning. Tony Fields is a guy where he's. He's been probably playing the, the best football of his career um, on the defensive line. It struggled quite a bit with pass rush, not uh, or it is one of the worst pass rushing teams in the country. But Trevon Mason is a, a Juco lineman who's really played well. The last few games had like eight tackles last game in a sack. So he's coming on and the corners are, are solid. Jace Whitaker and uh, Lorenzo Burns have done pretty well. Um, Arizona's pass defense isn't great, but I don't think it's on the corners. I think it's more on on the safeties and the lack of pass rush because those guys, uh, considering they're put on an island quite a bit, I think they've done pretty well. Uh, BYU sort of created a blueprint of what to do against this USC version of the air raid, whatever you like to call it. They were rushing three, dropping eight. Seemed to work pretty well. We've seen Notre Dame do that the previous week. Washington did it. Is that in Arizona's repertoire? Is that something they would do uh, in a game like this? Yeah, that's what I, I expect them to do that, where they rush three. I think what they'll do is they'll uh, they'll put Whitaker in the slot, which they've done before, and then they play Christian Roland Wallace uh, at corner. Uh, the true freshmen, so they'll have Roland Wallace and Lorenzo Burns at corner, Whitaker in the slot, and then they'll play a guy like Tristan Cooper in the other nickel position. And so what they'll do is they'll, they'll put some extra defensive backs on the field, and that's something where I, I think that they can do. There's enough talent at the position, and generally speaking, that's kind of how Marcel Yates has played against those air raid type of teams. On the uh, for special teams, talk about that a little bit. Some long field goals have been made. How would you assess overall how Arizona's special teams units have been? There's some really good and there's some really bad. I think Lucas Haversick, the the kicker, is is legit. Uh, he know he he's he's missed some field goals this season, but his leg is as good as anybody in the country. Uh, he had a 50 yarder against Hawaii uh, where they moved back after like three penalties, and he nailed it. Uh, his leg is awesome. Kickoffs, he's going to get a touchback pretty much every time. Uh, the punting is is bad. Uh, it's just a flat out bad situation. There's no kind of uh, silver lining on it. The, the punting just isn't good enough uh, against Washington, for instance, the starting field position. Washington had an 18-yard edge on starting field position, and while their turnovers didn't help, 
uh, the punting is just isn't good. I mean, you'll see a 35 punt consistently, uh, a 35 yard punt, maybe 40, anything more than that. It's usually, you know, Arizona fans are ecstatic. So if it comes down to the punting game, uh, I think Arizona's probably in trouble in that regard just because the punting hasn't been there. But they do have a lot of confidence in Lucas Haversick as the kicker. And then uh, how do you think this one's going to go? What do you think that, you know, how Arizona's going to play in this one? I think Arizona's going to score some points. Uh, the, the difficulty I have is seeing Arizona stopping USC. Uh, I just think that USC has too many weapons. And, and while Arizona's uh, defense is improving, it, it's not there yet. I think Washington kind of gave a blueprint on, on how to confuse Khalil Tate and, and Arizona's offense. And, and so when it comes down to it, I just think USC gets more stops than Arizona and probably wins this game uh, by about 10 to 14 points. All right, Jason Shear does a great job covering the Arizona Wildcats for wildcatauthority.com. Make sure you check out his stuff. Uh, thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me. All right, we're going to take a quick break and be right back with our final segment here on the Peristyle Pregame Show. Welcome back to the uscfootball.com Peristyle Pregame Show. Here's your host, Ryan Abraham. We're going to finish up the show with Chris Trevino's five bold predictions for the Arizona game. We're also going to hear from USC defensive lineman Marlon Tui-Pelotu. And finally, Keely or Shotguns Bratling and myself will give our game predictions for USC Arizona. Thanks to Platinum Storage and the store local companies for sponsoring the uscfootball.com Peristyle pregame show. Platinum Storage has locations all around Southern California, and you can find them online at platinumstorage.com. Let's get into Chris's five bold predictions for USC Arizona. This is Chris Trevino with uscfootball.com, and these are my five predictions for USC versus Arizona. First prediction, Keaton Slovis throws for three touchdown passes. Let's start with the base for this prediction. Arizona's pass defense has been downright awful this season, currently ranked number 128th in the nation. The Wildcats are allowing 320 passing yards per game and roughly 2.3 passing touchdowns per game. Four of their six opponents this season have topped 300 passing yards. If the offense can keep the momentum from the second half of the Notre Dame loss going into Saturday, this should be a big night for Slovis. Prediction number two, Marquis Steps surpasses 100 rushing yards for the first time in his career. Now, if you listened to the show last week, this isn't deja vu. For the Notre Dame game, I picked Steps to set a new career-high mark in rushing, and he pulled that off with 182 rushing yards and a late touchdown. I think the tide is finally shifting for a much bigger role for number 30. Plus, USC has some extra carries to go around, considering that Vavai Malapai is out for several weeks following in minor knee surgery. Now, there is talk of a third running back getting into that rotation, i.e. Keenan Christian, but Step is by far the hot hand right now and deserves more carries. Arizona is allowing 152 rushing yards per game, but remember they got shredded for 253 yards by USC last season. Prediction number three, Arizona quarterback Khalil Tate runs for a touchdown. Now, we've mentioned this before in my prediction section, but USC's defense struggles when it comes to mobile quarterbacks. Just look at what Ian Book was able to do against the defense in the Notre Dame loss. Now, Tate isn't close to touching his video game rushing numbers from 2017 with 1,400 yards and 12 touchdowns, but he's already surpassed last season's rushing total with 233 yards and two touchdowns so far this season. He's also averaging 2.3 more yards per carry than last season at 5.3. In three career games against USC's, he's run for... A touchdown in two of them. And remember, he's a SoCal native, so this is a homecoming for him. Prediction number four, Arizona does not record a sack. In the same way that the Wildcats' pass defense has been bad this season, the Arizona pass rush has been downright anemic. Arizona only has five sacks in six games, tied for 123rd in the country. 
BYC goes with more up-tempo on Saturday, which Clay Helton has said they've been emphasizing this week. The odds are really against this weak pass rush to get to Slovis. And finally, prediction number five, USC snaps the interception drought. The Trojans started the season well with two picks in two games, then nothing in their last four games. Now, this prediction might be a little bit harder to hit considering the fact that USC's secondary could be down as many as three of its top starting quarterbacks on Saturday. But it also should be noted that Khalil Tate has thrown for six picks this season, tied for worst among starting Pac-12 quarterbacks. Again, this is Chris Trevino with USCFootball.com, and those are my five predictions for USC's homecoming matchup with Arizona on Saturday. See, what's weird is I don't think Chris's predictions this week are too bold. I can see all of them happening in one way or another, but I'm going to focus on the first one. Keen Slovis throws for three touchdown passes. You know, I think his performance against Notre Dame was a good stepping stone in his progression as a true freshman quarterback. I think he builds on this, especially against Arizona's defense. Now, that defense has only given up three touchdowns through the air once this season, and that was to Hawaii. And their defense has progressed since that initial game of the season. So we'll see, but I'm going to put my money on that one. I think Khalil Tate will run for a touchdown this game. I agree with you guys. Yeah, certainly it looks like a lot of these are doable as far as the predictions go. But we saw Khalil Tate in the Coliseum a couple years ago, over 160 yards. Coming back home, he went to Little Sarah High School here. and wasn't as highly recruited maybe as he thought it would have been as a quarterback. Four years. This is his fourth opportunity to beat USC. Hasn't beat USC once. I think he's going to find the end zone with its legs at least once. Does it make it a little bit more bold if I say all five are going to come true? That's I think all, all five of them will happen. You know, the interception, I think it might even be another former Sarah guy. You know, Max Williams, he's a ball hawk. If he gets in there, you know, he's probably starting at that nickelback spot. I think maybe he gets one. You're adding a bold prediction on the bold prediction. Ooh, yeah, double bold and double bold in it right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, the one I'm going to focus on is Marquis Step getting over 100 yards. I think that happens. I think maybe he takes over the Aka Cedric role, uh, Aka Cedric Ware role of being an Arizona wild cat killer because like I said, where just dominated Arizona. He had a hundred yards in all in the last three years of his career. He ran for a touchdown in each of them. I think that's something that Marquis step, you know, they struggled to tackle said where last year and you know, the previous years too. And I think Marquis where is going to be even more difficult for that Arizona defense to bring down. All right, let's go to another practice interview. We're going to hear from Marlon Tui Pelotu. He got double teamed quite a bit in that Notre Dame game. We saw USC get gashed up the middle. This is a really good squad for Arizona as far as running the football goes. USC cannot let Arizona run wild over them. If they don't, Marlon Tui Pelotu is going to play a huge role in that. So let's hear from him. I'm here with Marlon Tui Pelotu. Um, Marlon what challenges does the Arizona offense present for your defense? Uh, we know they got some explosive players on their on the offensive side of the ball, but what we're trying to do is just stop the run and then be effective on third down, get them off the field. How important is discipline in this game, especially with a guy like Khalil Tate back there, you know, who can make plays with his legs and kind of break open plays like that? I feel like, I mean, discipline is a, a big thing every week, but uh, we know what kind of player Khalil Tate is and um, they're, uh, they're running backs as well. So we just got to go out there and just execute the game plan that our coaches gave us. What have you seen from the running backs on film? Uh, shifty guys. That's why uh, staying disciplined is a big thing this week. Just staying in our gaps and making sure that we don't cross our gaps until the, until the back isn't uh, cross the t- uh, point of no return. So just stay in discipline. Big thing. When you look back at the Notre Dame film, obviously 308 rushing yards. You can't have that happen moving forward. What did you guys see on tape that that they were able to have so much success on you guys? Um, just personally, uh, on a personal level, uh, technique. Felt like my technique wasn't uh, too well. 
Um, so just working on my technique, getting that done. And then just like the little stuff, like discipline, being disciplined on the field. What have you seen as a response from this team after two tough road losses? Coach Helton said that Monday he thought was the best practice you guys have had this season. Have you kind of seen guys communicating and stepping up in, in result of these tough losses? I mean, we're just, yeah, like we obviously it's it's not a good thing losing two games, but we're just going to go out there and try to uh, do our best and, and execute uh, on what the game plan is. A couple guys are banged up, mainly in the secondary. EA's got some injuries dealing. How do you guys feel like you guys will handle if you guys are down multiple key starters? I mean, we have the guys uh, that will step up and do whatever they need to do. We got we got guys in the room, so we, we have trust in, in them as well. What have you seen from Arizona's offensive line? Do they Are they different from last year? Are they pretty much the same that you saw last year? Um, they got. I think they got, like, a couple of returners, but... I mean, we're just mostly focused on ourselves and trying to uh, execute our game plan. Uh, we noticed you were doing some sprints over there with Coach Chad K. Was that a punishment thing, or was that an extra conditioning thing, thing going on with uh, Arizona's offense, kind of getting up and down the field? Uh, we are, I ain't asked no questions. It's, we just, whatever the coach asks us to do, we, we try to do it. So, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> I love that, man. He doesn't ask any questions. If the coaches tell him to run after practice, they're running after practice. It could be, though, because this is an Arizona squad that can get up and down the field really quickly. Uh, 510 yards of total offense, top 10 in the nation. And we saw USC give up over 300 yards on the ground to Notre Dame. You could definitely do that. It's not just Khalil Tate. They got a really good stable of running backs. And I'm curious to see with Tate coming home, is he going to have a huge game? Is J.J. Taylor going to go crazy? Are they going to test the, not only the perimeter of this USC defense, but also up the middle because Notre Dame showed that they were able to do that. You're not going to, I don't know, th- think they're going to be able to double team Marlon to and Pelotu as well as Notre Dame did. But USC has to get much more stout in the run defense. If you let Arizona run all over you, it's going to be more of an Arizona game. And you don't want to be in that kind of shootout against this Arizona squad. USC needs an easy win at home, guys, for homecoming. They, if they're going to do that, it's going to be by shutting down the Arizona run game. Well, I think you've got a different type of run attack than what you saw last week against Notre Dame. Obviously, Tony Jones Jr. is a big back. He's kind of bursting through you know, arm tackles and stuff like that. Now you're going to have some shifty backs back there with J.J. Taylor and guys that can hide behind the linemen a little bit. It's going to be a little bit of a you know a Where's Waldo game for those defensive linemen as you try to find you know a short back that hides behind the lineman well. And he's, kind of, he's a very patient runner and waits and sees. That is where sticking to your keys and staying in your gaps is essential, not only on the pass, Pass rush. That's a big thing that's been emphasized all week is to stay in your pass rush lanes, but also the run gaps. Can't get out of gaps and give someone like Taylor, who accelerates so well, give him an opportunity to shoot through a, a, an open gap and get to the second level. I think it's going to be different, though. You know, I, I love watching Marlon Tupelo to play. He struggled against Notre Dame and he got double teamed a lot. Like Healy said, I think that's something you got to watch for the rest of the season. But you know who else loves Marlon Tupelo to? His coach, Chad Kawahaha. <laughs> you know, he, he said that Marlon's a stud. Absolutely love him. The kid does everything right and just like we we just heard from Chris he works hard he keeps his mouth shut and he just goes forward everything he does he just continues to go forward and that's what you want to see from him bouncing back from that Notre Dame game Alrighty, guys it's that time of the show final predictions how do you think this one's gonna go I think USC is gonna win this one a little bit closer I think USC will finally get up above that 40 point barrier we haven't seen that for a few weeks so I think USC is gonna score 41 points Arizona 35 so six point wins for the Trojans at home 
I'm really torn on this one. You know, I just think with all the injuries on that defensive side, trying to contain Khalil Tate and try to be able to stop the running attack that they have, I think USC is going to give up some points. I think they're going to give up 35 points. Now the question is, are they going to score 31 or are they going to score 55? I, I don't know for sure. I think it's going to be 31, maybe a turnover or two. I'm not buying one game as they fix the turnovers. Let me see it consistently for a couple games, and then I'll start believing in that. So maybe they turn the ball over a couple times and, and it gets you know a close game late and Khalil Tate does something special. You know, A senior playing in L.A., you know, a school he wanted to play for but didn't want him as a quarterback. We'll see how it plays out. I got it 35-31, Arizona winning. Wow. You know, I go back and forth like Shotgun, but I'm giving the win to USC 49 to 35. I think the air raid finally figures itself out against this Arizona defense. USC fans would love it if the Trojans score up there near 50 points. That's what they want to see from this air raid. That's going to end our show. Thanks for hanging with us early on USC game day for Arizona week. And of course, homecoming. Thanks to our sponsors, Trader Joe's, Platinum Storage, Keeley, Shotgun, Chris DeVito, Jason Shear, and Taylor Mays. Make sure you check back every Friday night, KABC Radio. At midnight for the Peristyle pregame show. But this coming week for Colorado, it's a Friday game. We will be on on Thursday night instead of Friday night. All right, enjoy the game, and we will talk to you next Thursday.